0: Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah. Um, Welcome back to another week of the Dope Muslim Woman podcast um, I'm going to give a few moments for people to log on But thank you so much for joining us um, We are humbled and happy to be back with our forgiveness and redemption series here For season three of the Dope Muslim Woman podcast And um, we're kind of winding down on this series um, We've already... Um, We've already covered so much in regards to forgiveness after divorce and redemption after committing um, you know, gross injustices to other people and just about forgiveness. And so today we have a very special guest. I talked about it on my live. I my brother Vincent. I talked about it on my live how I've been wanting this to talk to this sister for like a whole year, season one and season two, but I'm so humbled that I have her here today. Um, I'm going to introduce our dear sister. But before I do, I wanted to officially welcome back our lovely and beloved co host, Veronique Cooper. Assalamu
1: alaikum. Thank you. It's been a while. I'm excited. No, I, how have you been? <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Just managing work from home, kids, you know, mm-hmm. all this fun stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's good to have you back, Veronique. Alhamdulillah. Um, all right. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce our dear um, sister here. Um, She is a hijabi CEO, um, a startup strategist, a two times over author, um, a philanthropist, a mom. Um, She has transformed and taught one million people how to improve their lives um, as a startup strategist. And she's also an international speaker. A lot of us um, in the Muslim community know her as the creator of Not Without My Hijab, which is a play um, that she was, that was very successful that she put on a few years ago. Um, she's also in charge of the Boss Hijabi and Business Conference, which will be held next weekend, November 13th through the 15th. And I'll have her give some information before the end of the podcast. But we are humbled to have Sister Halima D. Oliveira here today. Assalamualaikum, sis. Wa alaikum, assalamualaikum, wa rahmatullahi wa
2: barakatuh.
0: I'm so happy to be here. First of
2: all, I'm so. Go- is one of my favorite words. (laughs) Right.
0: Right. What? Okay? Everything is dope, okay? Everything. Uh, Everything, sis. Everything. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. We're so happy to have you here. Um, Alhamdulillah. How's everything been, sis, with COVID? And I was like... You
2: know what? I'm almost... You know, I try not to, you know, try to remain humble. You know what I mean? But alhamdulillah, COVID is actually, uh, you know, alhamdulillah, you know, we have not been impacted in my family, uh, you know, by uh, COVID, you know, directly. Um, I do have a sister who is a part of like the essential workers, but alhamdulillah, uh, she takes a test uh, probably every other week. And alhamdulillah, you know, she's, uh, you know, been good. Um, But business wise, like I've actually increased. Uh, you know, my business has increased uh, because of COVID-19. So uh, I've been able to bring on more clients. So my uh, full-time uh, business is uh, BUMHD. And that's where I'm a business strategist. And uh, I deal with uh, 90% female uh, clients and about the same demographic, Muslim women um, in business, mostly doing e-commerce. So that's online uh, sales. So their businesses have been doing uh, really well. Uh, Some businesses are doing anywhere from five to six figures a month uh, inside of this uh, pandemic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are ordering online. So just think about how many times you've probably ordered something online. Um, Alhamdulillah, these businesses have found a niche, have found a product that they're able to sell online and they've been doing uh, really well. So Alhamdulillah.
0: Alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. alhamdulillah. Well, that's super dope, sis. Thank you so much for that. Um, but we're going to hop right into it. Um, we're talking about Not Without My Faith this episode. And we I wanted to broach forgiveness as it relates to our spirituality, our faith. Um, your, your book, Not Without My Hijab, 11 Steps. I know you have another one called 11 Steps Towards Reclaiming Your Faith. Um, that one really touched me. And I wanted to just talk about, you know, just talk about a few things with you. But I'm just going to get right into it, sis, because it's really relevant to what we've been talking about um, so far um, in season three, which is just healing from pain and loss. And last week we had um, two different couples come on. They were um, both. Um, they were once married. So we had two couples. They're now they were divorced couples. I shouldn't call them couples. Right. So we divorced ex-couples. So they were <laughs> divorced. Right. <laughs> and we they were coming on to discuss their process and just the forgiveness process, right? So that really struck a lot of the guests and it really struck me deeply. And I just wanted to start there because that's where we are. Um, A lot of us are just so widely impacted by pain and just our need to even survive, especially as black women, um, we, we really go into survival mode when we're hurt, right? That's historically connected to us. Our faith can be widely impacted through grief, through loss, um, and even a feeling of abandonment um, Mm -hmm. that is a bit triggering for us as Black women. But sometimes when we feel abandoned by our community, when we go through a divorce or such, um, Mm -hmm. it can really impact us. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to just start with you, just talking a little bit about how pain and loss, because I know that's a big part of your story, can Mm -hmm. impact our faith. How does it impact? really have an impact on our faith and why is it sometimes so hard for us to bounce back?
2: Um, I think, you know, just going into the fact, first of all, being women and the second part of it, you know, being a part of the, you know, uh, a demographic that, um, you know, goes through a lot of pain, has endured a lot of pain over the years, right? Um, it's almost in our DNA, right? Um, and, you know, for me growing up, I was no stranger, uh, you know, to pain, you talk about pain, grief, loss, right? So you know, I I went through a lot in a a very short span of time, and my pain starts at two years old. My pain starts, you know, the death of my father, right? So he was murdered here um, in New York, um, you know. So at two years old, you know, never being able to grieve, you know, a father, right? Uh, you know, not even knowing that, you know, uh, my mother at the time she was like she was new to Islam, so uh, she became Muslim uh, before we were born. But, you know, I was like a year and a half, almost two years old. And so, you know, uh, you know, she was going on, you know, women, you know, Muslim women don't follow funeral processions. So my brother and I, we never went to the funeral. My mother, we never went to the funeral. We never we never had that opportunity to grieve that loss. So you start there. And then, you know, my mother remarries, uh, you know, a year and some change uh, later. Um, And then she marries uh, someone who is not, you know, wasn't the best uh, partner. There were some positive things that came from out of it because that's where we deepened our, you know, connection to Allah. So our faith was deepened. We lived in Medina, Saudi Arabia, for three and a half years as kids. You know, uh, we were very much involved in learning Quran, like living, like outwardly, that you know, uh, you know, fairy tale, you know, Muslim, you know, upbringing, right? And you know, then comes in trauma. Right. So then comes in more trauma that, you know, comes again, you know, from, you know, historically, you know, in black families. Right. Um, where, you know, I was molested and, you know, molested in my home. And all of this is four, six, you know, before six, I turn six. You know what I mean? So, you know, a father dies. You know what I mean? You're, you know, we move to another country, then we come back to the United States. And then when we come back to the United States, I'm molested. Right. And so, you know, at six years old, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, adult, you know, things and, you know, my faith when I was younger is what helped, was the that held me together, was the thing that I could, you know, grasp and, you know, and I held on to. But, you know, as you get older, you start to think about the players, you start to think about the players that have caused you um, pain. And when you line up all the players that have caused you pain and they're all Muslim, what do you do with that information, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. What do you do with that information? And so for me, you know, you know, by the time, you know, I turn, you know, 12, 13, 14, where I'm starting to develop my own, you know, uh, mind and starting to think about, you know, well, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life, right? So, all, you know, we were all, I, I'm one of six children. And so all straight A students, like geniuses beyond, you know, Alhamdulillah. But like, you know, start to think about what am I going to do with my life? So I always knew that I wanted to be in the corporate space. I wanted to live, you know, I wanted to live this high-rise. I'm from New York City, right? So, you know, you think about the high-rise apartment on, you know, 42nd Street, you know, going to my, you know, corporate job in my shoes, you know, these are the things that you think about, you know, 13, 14. And, you know, by the time I got to 15, 16, my last year of high school at 16, um, you know, it's like, well, how am I going to, how does my faith fit into, uh, you know, where it is that I'm trying to go? And when you bring, you know, that pain, that baggage, you know, of faith to get coupled together with, you know, what I'm trying to do, and none of that adds up to staying connected to faith at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is me telling my, my, you know, my story, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for someone else, it, it, it may have led them even closer to Allah, wa ta'ala, but, that's not what Allah wrote for me at that time. It actually led me totally in the opposite direction, almost running um, from anything that, you know, reminded me. And it's really running from that pain, uh, not wanting to associate, you know, with anything that, you know, reminded me of pain. And so that that wow. started the journey of, you know, uh, kind of that moving away from Islam. Wow. 16, that's really
0: powerful. And that's really powerful. And V, I'm going to let you segue, but like, You just said something that really struck me when moving away from anything that reminded Mm -hmm. you of the pain. And for some of us, especially, and I'm just going to talk a minute about divorce for a second because it was just relevant. But, you know, sometimes we can associate, like you said, our faith Islam with what happened in that marriage, especially if we went through something pretty oppressive or something unjust and that's sometimes for a lot of women we see we sometimes struggle after divorce and mm-hmm. with our faith with our faith mm-hmm. we want to move as far away so that really struck me when you made when you made that that comment about moving away from the pain not necessarily and the faith is just kind of a part of that subhanallah powerful powerful very neat wow
1: so what are some of the common reasons muslim women struggle with faith like, do you notice any common parents with loss of faith or um, how we navigate our relationships with men.
2: Um, did
0: you, you caught that? Okay, cool. Yes, I
2: did, I heard her. Um, so that's a loaded question. And mm-hmm. the only reason why I say it's a loaded question is because like, uh, you know, it some of it could be specific to Uh, you know, some women. Right. Um, And then, you know, so like I'll give, for example, so a lot of what I see in doing my work and on the whole, not without my hijab journey. And in writing the book is I see a lot of women who converted to Islam to be with their spouse. Right. So they converted, they came over to Islam to be with with a man who happens to be Muslim. Right. And a lot of times what happens is, is if you remove the man, the faith goes with it right? I have firsthand experience of that with a family member, right, that married, you know, a sibling of mine, and, you know, married the sibling, and then once they divorced, we, we haven't seen her since, right? And so, like, you know, so th- you have that, right? And then the other part of it is, is, you know, like, say, my, you know, story, uh, where your perpetrator or perpetrators um, are of the Muslim faith, right? And so, you know, you, you know, I'm, you, in my mind,'m I'm, I'm six year old Halima is making these adult decisions. really, right? the, the, the because it's six year old Halima, ten year old Halima who uh, experienced the pain. So as an adult, you know sometimes I you know she that's who was making the decisions. She was the one who was saying, okay, well, I remember how this felt. and I remember uh, you talked about like betrayal, you talked about the hurt talked about the pain at six years old it's it, for me at you know 30 or you know uh, 22 when I got married right that, I, I, that that's very real that that pain is 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 ever you know is present right and you know uh you know informs those um different decisions so I think you know for each person it's different but I think that you know for us as women um you know uh faith a man can 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 dictate, you know, whether we remove, you know, we remove ourselves um, from faith and then we ourselves, you know, like uh, one of the things that I see is that a lot of Muslim women uh, don't know enough of the female uh, leaders um, in in the past. Right. So a book that I always recommend is The Great Women of Islam. It helped me. When in me coming back to faith. So I came back to Islam uh, almost six years ago. And that was a book that really, really, really helped me to uh, create a firmer foundation in faith because it showed me the female, the Sahabiyat and the lives of the Prophet Sallallahu and their contributions. And it helped me to have, um, just, you know, to feel empowered it helped me to feel empowered as a Muslim women, woman. And I feel like, you know, we don't see enough of that. We don't see enough women of faith and covered Muslim women, too. I think that that's important, too, because when a uh, covered Muslim woman, I, we can't mistake that uh, someone who is not, you know, uh, you know front facing, you know, as, you know, representation of Islam, I don't mm-hmm. know whether you're Muslim or not. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I see a hijab or, you know, I see, uh, you know, some form of hijab, right. I can, oh, okay, she's Muslim, and then I can start to, oh, wow, you know, mashallah, you know what I mean? um She's able to get through these uh, particular, you know, circumstances. Uh, myself as a Gabby, um, inshallah, I'm able to get through those, um too. I think we need, you know, we need to see more of that positive re- uh, representation. Uh, we see a lot of the males, we you know, the males in our community, you know, very vocal, but we need to see more of the females um, be vocal as well, because if everything that we're seeing in society is a woman who's uncovered, and those are the role models that we have, you know, at me as a young woman, right, at 16, you know, maybe my hijab wouldn't have come off had I had more, you know, positive role models in the fields of, of business that I wanted to go in. You know, I want to be at, at the head of a table in a boardroom, that was, those, that was my dream. But I didn't see any covered Muslim women in that role. for me, in my immediate circle, I'm growing up, right? Or on TV, right? Everyone else looked different from me. Mm -hmm. And so how could I aspire to be something that I can't see? And so uh, for me, that's a lot of what I see, um, you know, on the trail. So when I'm on the not with a hijab trail, that's what I see, you know? And the young girls say to me, you know, uh, it's great to have, and not just me, I'm not, you know, just talking about me. I'm talking about a lot, We, Alhamdulillah, with social media, we, we have, uh, you know, more role models that girls can look up to and, yeah. and, and emulate, inshallah. And so they say that, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, you're doing your thing in business. It gives me something to aspire to. And I can see myself in that particular role and Muslim and covered.
0: Yeah. yeah, you know, sister, I, I, what you're saying is what you're saying is so powerful. And we are living in an age, and we're going to have real talk. Is that is that okay? It's we like are that. living in an age where we are living in an age where it gets really murky and taboo when we bring up hijab, right? But we're going to be real about that. Ah. I know, I know, <laughs> so, Sali, you probably and you know, so let's talk about it a little bit. I mean, oh. it's an interesting topic this, these days. But one of the powerful things, powerful things, I'm reflecting on as you're saying is the idea of um, the importance of visibility and representation. Mm-hmm. And we even relate that to our skin color. We, we, we understand when we say we want that visible representation mm-hmm. of us as Black people and these positions in this society for even for the legacy of our children. But we get really uncomfortable when we also speak to that visibility of a Muslim woman because mm-hmm. it relates to this, right? Mm-hmm. So not without my hijab, right? So you, um, some would say, right, that perhaps you're relating faith to the practice of wearing hijab, right? Mm-hmm. And you're saying that to lose, to lose your hijab is to lose faith. Some people would argue that that statement is problematic. Um, mm-hmm. how, first of all, let's understand this concept as, mm-hmm. it, as you kind of crafted it in this movement, you created it. And how mm-hmm. does it play a role? How does this scarf here, how does this hijab play mm-hmm. a role in, with our faith as Muslim mm-hmm. women? I love this question. And when you
2: uh, posed it as one of the questions that you were going to ask, I was like, yes. (laughs) Mashallah. So um, hijab. So doing the book, Not Without My Hijab, first of all, I prayed about it. Um, The name didn't just come. Halima didn't make up the name Not Without My Hijab. Um, I prayed and, you know, I asked Allah, you know, uh, I want to be able to help uh, women like me uh, to be able to uh, return to faith and to... Uh, Do it in a way that they can do it on their terms, but inshallah, they they get there, right? Uh, So I spent a very long time, I spent 20 years uh, not practicing Islam at all, uh, let alone wearing a hijab. Um, You would have passed me in the street and you would have never known that I was Muslim at all. Uh, On any given day, you would have never known that I was Muslim. And so, um, you know, that was my um, journey. And as I was returning to Islam, I met more women exactly like me that had the same story as me that was going through the same thing. And they themselves wanted to return to uh, practicing Islam, first of all, um, let alone, you know, putting a hijab on. And so uh, I prayed about, uh, you know, how could I bring it forth? And, you know, the name that came was not without my hijab. It came as a full, uh, you know, sentence. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't know how to bring it forth because, like you said, very powerful, uh, very uh, just in your face, like mm-hmm. not without my hijab. Right. And,
3: um, you know, I prayed about
2: it. And I'll be honest with you. It was right. Uh, it was probably about a year and a half after I had returned to faith uh, myself. And so for me, there's the, the, the hypocrite. So who do you think you are? And this is me talking to myself who do you think you are that you spent 20 years away from Islam and where are you gonna come and you're gonna tell somebody uh, not without my hijab right
3: so who mm-hmm. do you think
2: you are so that came up for me um and then you know just the second part of it you know uh, will it be uh, embraced right so you know will uh, people embrace it so you know you come into that and so um, I wasn't ready uh, when when the na- when that all of that came was in um, and 2016 then, you know, um, and I wasn't ready to to bring that forth. And so, you know, I kept praying and my daughter's name is Jenna and uh, she was nine years old at the time. And one morning after Fajr, uh, she started to ask me, you know, when when do I start wearing hijab and that kind of thing? And so, you know, from that conversation, I wrote the book Jenna's First Hijab. So uh, it is uh, I wrote that book uh, based on a conversation with my daughter and it helped me to bring the concept of hijab and why we wear it uh, in a fun way for children. Um, but what happened is, is that of course, you know, children, you know, flock to the book, but their mothers flock to the book and their mothers were just like me who were struggling with faith and struggling with um, their hijab. And so mm-hmm. in the book, I actually put in the Quran, the ayah in the Quran where you could find where it starts to talk about hijab. And so this book was okay. written for ages four to uh, about 10, right? So it was okay. it was written for you to read but women flocked to that book. Um, in a year, uh, we sold 1,400 copies of that book. No publisher, nothing. Um, it was self-published, uh, 1,400 copies of that book in the first year. And so that gave me the courage uh, to write uh, Not Without My Hijab. And I, had, I was already working on Not Without My Hijab when Jenna's first hijab was released in 2017. And so uh, September of 2017, Not Without My Hijab, that book was finished, but I was still afraid uh, to release it, And so I had a talk with a friend and she's actually not Muslim and she said, Halima, she was like, uh, why do you need to tell that story? And I was like, I need to tell that story because I don't want someone um, to go through what I went through. I don't, I don't want someone to go through, you know, 20 years of one not being connected to self, um, let alone um, being connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Um, just imagine not having a relationship with your creator and not feeling like you could talk to your your creator. Think about, you know, us praying five times a day, um, us dhikring and us, you know, feeling that connection and feeling like, you know, no matter what's going on, you know, I can talk to Allah and, you know what I mean, Um, gain some type of peace and gain some type of solace. Imagine going through 20 years of not feeling that peace and that solace and not feeling like you connect to uh, your creator and literally, you know, going through life trying to figure out everything um, went on. Very lonely, very um, just, just I, I can't even uh, describe it. You know, I'm so mm-hmm. grateful that I'm not in that, uh, you know, scenario anymore. And so, you know, with Not Without My Hijab, you know, uh, I got a lot of pushback uh, with the name Not Without My Hijab, right?
0: You did. And now, let's, if you want- Co- sure. Community pushback or like community just people, pushback, you know?
2: Community okay. pushback, uh, so this is going to the masjid. Hey, uh, you know, uh, I am doing this workshop for free. I was not charging for this workshop at all. I would like to do this workshop. Uh, there are, you know, a lot of young girls that are in my DM uh, from these specific communities, and they're talking about how they would like to have open conversations about how they can overcome some of these scenarios. Okay. I, I want to be Muslim, I want to practice my Islam, but when I go to school, you know, the way that I'm dressed, the way that I believe is not accepted. How do I, uh, you know, co- you know, how do I combat that? How do I, mm-hmm. you know, go into, you know, how do I go into those um si- situations confident? You know, um, I, or I'm on the verge of, you know, leaving Islam. I'm on the verge of taking off my hijab. Or I haven't uh, worn hijab at school for a year. My parents don't know. Um, you know, I put it in my book bag. And, you know, when, I, when, when, you know when, when it's time to go home, you know, I put it back on. But, what? you know, I feel like a hypocrite. I don't want to be like that, right? Mm-hmm. So Not Without My Hijab was never to try to convince someone that you should be wearing hijab. Uh, it was never my goal to try to uh, sway you. Listen, okay. um, Allah, mm-hmm. uh, 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 there's a reason why Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala put um, the verses of hijab in the Quran in several different places, right?
3: Mm-hmm. I, and that's
2: not my job uh, to convince you uh, these are the ayah and this is what Allah means by that, that. That was never um, anything that I was trying to do. If that's what I was trying to do, I would have worded it differently and I would have said, it's not without your hijab. That's mm-hmm. not what the title doesn't say, not without your hijab. Uh, not mm-hmm. without your hijab is coming from a place of your sis.
0: Yeah. Right? You don't got right. your hijab
2: on. Go put that on. Right. That's mm-hmm. not what it says. It says not without my hijab. Not without my hijab is not something that I say to you. Not without my hijab is something that you say to yourself. Right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, uh, some people would say not wearing your hijab means not without um, my faith. Right. Or without faith, because you don't got your hijab on. And that's not that's the furthest string from the truth, too. Right. So I'll tell you from my own uh, viewpoint and also, so I grew up with 10 uh, Muslim friends. We were all, you know, all Muslim grew up around the same um time. Nine of that ten went the route that went. I was one of the mm. I was one of the nine. Only one yeah. stayed true. Mashallah, mashallah. Right, right? No, I <laughs> <laughs> mashallah, my sis, right? So, you know, and and we'll all tell you the same story. The hijab was just an outward, uh, you know, reflection of what's going on in the inside. So wearing it, um, you know, sometimes is a reflection of what's going on in the inside. And also the not wearing it is also a reflection of what's going on in the inside. What's your heart looking like? Right. So what what, what does your, what does, you know, what what does it look like? You know, like, are, are you wearing it? For yourself? Are you wearing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or are you wearing it for other people? For me, my personal journey, I was wearing it for my parents. I was wearing it to, mm-hmm. to please my parents. I didn't have my own understanding of what hijab was. I didn't, like I said, I didn't have insight into you know the sahaba, the wives of the Prophet, um, sallallahu alayhi wa I didn't have insight into those women at that time and their, their deep stories, right? and why they wore hijab. Why did they even practice faith? Forget yeah. about hijab, because in the beginning, right. no one was wearing hijab anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we were wearing a version of hijab because in Christianity, in Corinthians, they were already wearing hijab.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so that's another thing, but we're not gonna get into that, but they were already wearing hijab. So that right. just came to just complete it and you know, just, just, drape, just bring it over, right? <laughs> so we were, <laughs> it was already covered. In Corinthians, our head was already covered. So Islam just came to complete it and asked us to, you know, bring it over and drape it over ourselves. Right. And so, you know, with that whole, you know, ideology, it's, you know, connecting to your faith. I want to be this doctor. I want to be this, you know, dope woman in business. I want to be this doctor. I want to be this dentist, but not without my hijab. And essentially Mm -hmm. it's hijab. What does hijab mean? Hijab means covering. Hijab means barrier. And hijab means barrier against Right. So, you know, keep not necessarily keeping like the first thing that we talk about. The reason why there's so much controversy with hijab is the first thing against the male gaze, against the male gaze. Take, take the male gaze out of it. We love <laughs> that Please. it's there, but take the male gaze out of it.
0: Does your hijab
2: help to keep you from doing certain things and going certain mm-hmm. places? Because that's what it helps me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. uh, my hijab uh, keeps yes. me... Uh, you can't go in third places
3: with right. <laughs> the uh, oh, oh Yeah. Oh oh, okay. oh, you're
2: okay, like, hey, that,
1: like. that ain't gonna do it, right? Oh, so, right.
2: It's it's about it's about morality, uh, you know, peace. And when you look in uh, sort and noor, right?
3: Mm-hmm. When we
2: talk about verse of Egypt, who comes first? The man,
3: first.
2: Yeah, Surah yeah. and Noor Ayat Thirty is about the hijab for men and about them covering, about them lowering their gaze and all that good kind of stuff. And so the reason why that's so beautiful and the reason why that's so important is because it's talking about not the physical wearing of the hijab, right? yeah right, right. It, yeah it i'm is. sorry
0: since so the medina just said real quick she said he jabbed in the club uh nope i just wanted <laughs> not to go,
2: not gonna be able to do it there you go right? Mr. Medina.
1: I love. It. not gonna be able to do it i gonna be able to do that turn up in
0: here right different podcast you know. different podcasts. <laughs> go ahead okay <laughs> <all laughs> we're
2: going in a different way but
3: you know, going back to that ayah
2: 2430, yeah, was talking about, you know, the spiritual side of hijab, right? So oh. not nah without my hijab was more talking about spiritual um hijab, um, not uh, you know, just the physical, right? So mm-hmm. again, going back to what I just said earlier, when when your heart is there, when your heart is in Islam, when your heart is is connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, you you believe. Uh, you know, in the verses that you're reading, you believe what it is that you're reading and you understand the hikmah, right? The wisdom behind um, something. Let's just think, take that apart for a little bit. Aren't we vain as women?
0: That's think our topic. Yeah. We struggle. We struggle. We yeah. struggle with that.
2: So yeah, that showing of the hair that, you know, the hair flowing and all that kind of stuff, like that's straight uh my competition. I got to make sure, you know, the, are we being real <laughs> here or, no, or not? Yeah, no? no, no, keep it 100. We, no. we struggle with it. We like it, we struggle, struggle with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so does your hijab help you? My yes. hijab helps me. My hijab helps me to, to keep me in check, to keep that side of myself um in check, right? Mm-hmm. What am I really supposed to be focused on? Right? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be focusing on worshiping to find out with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh my hair might not help me do that. Right. worrying about my hair. Uh, that doesn't help me. Um, and if I'm keeping it 100, uh, I would have actually been, I would have actually had two extra years on my time coming back to Islam if it wasn't for my hair. Mm. We'll okay. So blowouts, you know what I mean? The hair flowing yeah. with my yeah. suit on. Uh, right. With my heels and my bag, right. walking into my Can nobody closet, tell you nothing. Yeah, couldn't nobody. Yeah,
0: tell couldn't
2: nobody. It, was, it, it 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 was, it was the uniform. I'm was, that, that
0: was like you know right. I understand.
2: That's how we made six figures.
0: Right. The
2: six figures came from the whole outfit. Okay. There you go.
0: Yeah, yeah. So,
2: <laughs> you know, that I, that was hard to let go. Yeah, that was hard yeah. to let go, and probably about the first six months. My hijab didn't look like this, my dress didn't look like this. I was wearing regular clothes and mm-hmm. cover, and you know, little scarf here, little tied up, tied up, knot, you know, in the middle, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to just trying to figure it out, right? Right.
0: And then right.
2: as I read about these great women of Islam, as I read about the habiyat as I learned more about them, and I and I learned more about their love for Allah, right? And just them following the ways of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it led to, to just increasing. It led to in, the clothes started to look different. Hijab looked different. That's my journey, right? Everybody's yeah. journey is different. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's another thing. And I talk about this in Not Without My Hijab. Every one of our, us may say Not Without My Hijab, but what it looks like is, is different. Yeah. It's totally different. And one of the concepts that we bring about in the play, right, is in, in what you get when, when those characters are on stage is it may be not without my hijab for me, but it may be uh, you know, the thing, the thing that I'm working on is my hijab. My crut, everything that goes wrong is around my hijab. Everything for me that I suffer with, everything is around my hijab, right? For someone else, it could be this salah. For someone else, some, these people addicted to drugs alcohol it could it could be it's it, different areas of of their faith and the beauty of professing that not about my hijab and then putting it out, out there hey this is the thing that I struggle with each person they're, they're whatever they've got going on they can say oh you know what well I don't struggle and I've had people say this to me I struggle with hijab but I do struggle with prayer or I don't struggle with hijab sis, but I still struggle with you know, uh, you know, arguing or, you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. I'm talking about hijab, but that's not everyone's struggle. Oh, so it helps, yeah. uh, you know, it's with
0: Allah. that. I appreciate mm-hmm. that, sis. I appreciate that. Um, I'm going to segue into one audience question and we're going to go, Veronique, and I'm having to mm-hmm. take it. The audience uh, member asked, um, it was a little bit higher up, but, um, at what mm-hmm. age would you encourage, um, parents, um, at what age would you think is suitable for um, children or young girls to be encouraged to begin trying on the hijab and wearing the hijab? So uh, we, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: sure, we actually covered this in Jenna's first hijab. Uh, So we actually uh, covered uh, the age that she's supposed to start wearing it, right? So uh, what we did is, is Jenna was nine um, at the time, and we know nine is very symbolic. Nine is actually the age. So when they start to come into puberty, so it could be different. For um people, so uh, it could start at nine, it could not, right? Uh, and so uh, her sister Nyla was twelve in the book, so Nyla was already, you know, she already had puberty, and she was actually going to the store to pick out her hijabs. And then Jenna was not, at, you know, at the age of puberty; she did not have to wear her hijab. And her mother talked to her about this. She was, she explained to her, you actually don't have to start wearing um your hijab. And the way that we did it was that we did it in the scene as they were going to the store. And her mother says, well, we're here for Nyla. You don't, you're not there yet. You're all right. So we we can, you know, hit you up another time. And then, you know, we go into Nyla. She's picking out a different color hijab for each day of the week, right? And then as they're there, Jenna makes the decision herself
3: Mm. And this
2: was very important. So uh, this mm-hmm. is very important. And I'm sure that th- this is probably a male that probably asked this question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> question. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay. Right. But um, is um, it's important to um, have them choose it for themselves. And I will yeah. tell you, growing up, I was two years old the first time that I wore hijab. Uh, if you look at my uh, passport photo, um, I had hijab on in the passport photo. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, not even two right uh, um, in the in, yeah. in the passport photo and you know my parents you know just They did that to all of us you know yeah. <laughs> <just> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah we <laughs> <laughs> you know Bless and her. they were doing the best they could right Absolutely. they, they were doing what they thought do uh, and they were doing it for our betterment betterment don't you know uh, fault them in any way yeah. but yeah. one of the things that i would suggest to parents is one uh, start talking about uh these great women of islam Talk, talking about um the sahabiyat and asking them asking them who wh- which one do you feel you're most like you know for mm-hmm. me the one that you know now as an adult and and, and it's, it's I'm I'm so mad at myself that I didn't know her story is nusaybah radiallahu anha mm-hmm. nusaybah was no <sighs>
0: joke right
2: mm-hmm. nusaybah if you do not know nusaybah please I implore you to learn about Nusaybah radiallahu anha. Mm-hmm. She, radiallahu is, uh, she was a warrior uh, during the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she was so concerned uh, with covering her outer as she was mm-hmm. fighting in the battlefield. Um, and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam noticed her. When the Prophet uh, sallallahu alaihi wasallam said when they were fighting in, the, in battle, he would look to his right, he would look to his left, everywhere he looked, There was no with her sword defending him. And for me, as a person who struggled with hijab, right, every time, because I still struggle, right? Mm -hmm. I still have days where I'm like, man, I remember what it was like to have that sun just, just, just hit. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so I struggle. But I, re- the story that keeps me is the story of Nuseiba. If Nuseiba on the top of a horse, or you know, as she was fighting on the battlefield, uh, could uh, protect her aura and 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 keep her modesty uh, in intact, you know, her haya, right? If she could, who am I not to walking down these streets in New York City where I'm I'm comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. She's on a horse, she's in the battlefield with a sword, um, yeah. and so that story keeps me, uh, you know, in hijab. When, when yeah. on the day when I'm struggling, I remember anha. Mm,
0: SubhanAllah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Veronique, I'm going to pull in this comment and I'm going to have you ask your question. Yeah. but. Um, Sister Jamila, she just wanted to share, she said, my mom always talked to me about hijab and when women are required to wear it. So when I reached puberty, I already understood what I needed to do. I'm mm-hmm. gonna my mom helped me with putting outfits together and wearing certain fabrics. So I'm gonna that's yeah, one of the benefits of talking early about it, go ahead. Mm-hmm. And that's the,
2: exactly, um, and going back to you know Jenna's uh, first hijab, going back to the book, one of the things that we did uh, with the uh, character um, Nyla was her picking a color for each day of the week and then picking a color that that was for her. We we actually said that, you know, wrap it in a style. Start, let them, yes. like, one of the things, the worst thing that you can do is to tell your daughter, oh, you gotta wrap it like this. Yes. Let her experiment, relax, mm-hmm. relax. Let mm-hmm. her experiment with the different fabrics, the different colors, the different ways to wrap it. Relax. You know, yes. back when we were young, I don't know about y'all, but we were wearing door knockers. Right, <laughs> with the pull-ins, right? The pull-in joints, the one-, <laughs> one piece.
0: Do you understand, <laughs> okay. okay girl listen and our parents you know you know back then our parents didn't play so we couldn't could we take it off could we complain about it no (laughs) okay
3: all
2: right let them experiment with the cupboards okay and again going back to talking about you know the great women of islam and letting them learn and, and 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 talk to them about which one do you think you're most like? Which one do you, which one do you like? And why do you like her? Right? Um, and start to think about that. One of the things that the, all of these women have in common is their love for Islam and their love for Allah. Every single one. Um, but they approached Islam uh, from their own, uh, you know, personality. Um, they, they approach Islam from their own personality. So I think that's important. And like um, Jamila, I appreciate you um, for that. Yes, let them experiment and figure out um, their style. They'll get it. They'll get it. And, you know, when they read, you know, those ayat, they go to Surah Ahzab where it talks about, you know, how it should look. That It's on them. It's on them to determine when I read that particular ayat, this is what it looks like to me. Relax. Ooh. Relax. Mm-hmm. You know, would you rather them, uh, you know, you, you worrying about is it pinned, you know, exactly on the shoulder and, you know, meets right at the at here and hate it in their heart? Mm-hmm. They hate it. Or would you mm-hmm. rather it be all discombobulated? Might look, you know what I mean? <laughs> but they're praying and they're yeah. proud to wear it. And they understand why they're wearing it. Right. For who uh, they are wearing it.
0: yeah, Because it's not for you. Subhanallah. And not it's the for all other- parents. As a mother of daughters, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I'm sitting here
1: as a teacher. I'm just like, you know, we're so hard on our students about kids who have no hair showing. Don't do it up like this. Let them figure it out. They're so young and they're just trying to figure this thing out and just try. And we can't knock mm-hmm. them for just trying. For trying. And
2: that could be something that pushes them. Mm-hmm. That could be something that pushes them out the door, unfortunately. It does. Right. Yes. Um, I will tell you. Um, I spoke at a, a school. Uh, the girls were in, um, I want to say, like seventh or eighth grade. So they are at a very first of all. They're going through all kinds of stuff, anyway. Right. All kind. I can't like a boy. I, you know. I like the boy, but not. You know what I mean? Like they're going through all of that. Then they're going through their bodies uh, are changing and all that kind of stuff. And then I have a teacher telling me. Put the pin and and then embarrassing me possibly in front of other uh you know people like just think about that right mm-hmm. that that the world is over the teacher the everyone in the class saw it i'm done seventh grade mm-hmm. is i'm done right mm-hmm. just, just thinking about that right mm-hmm. whereas you know you know just, just teaching them like why they're wearing it and teaching them to love Uh, you know, teaching them the love of why, uh, you know, uh, they're wearing it, right? And they're wearing it for the pleasure of Allah, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you think about that love that you have of of Allah, right, that will lead you to a place where it starts to, you know, starts to come together. Mm -hmm. It starts to be in that perfect, you know, way that you would like to see them
1: wear it, right? Mm -hmm. Inshallah. 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 Uh, hearts. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> heart, like, everybody's writing hearts. I agree. I'm sending my heart. <laughs> All right. So let's kind of um, segue into forgiveness. So, you know, I know some, this is something you have to do for forgiving yourself. Hold on, so, is Ver- lagged.
0: Hold on one second, Veronique. Okay. Are you lagged or just to me? A little I- bit. Okay. 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 That's a little lag, Veronique, but go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. I'll- All right.
1: Um, so forgiveness is a tool that we use to heal and we know it benefits us more than any other person involved. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a self. Um, it's a self. It's self. It's important for ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's such an important part of reclaiming our faith.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: we know it's, uh, this is often attacked by Shaitan, and despair oh, is one of the gravest sins of them all. So how do we avoid despair and what are some um, practical ways that we can practice forgiveness? of self as it relates to our relationship with the law?
2: Um, that was probably like in the beginning, I think a law worked on, on that with me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just getting in touch with myself. And re- literally, I was teaching a class on um, prior to this and we were talking about, um, you know, forgiveness and, and and just, you know, how it, it, that's um, a benefit um, to us. But I spent a, a, a very long time, probably like about the first year and a half, but maybe even two years coming back to Islam on that forgiveness piece mm-hmm. um, and just never thinking that I was good enough. Um, you know to be even forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and everything that I did was like this this penance you know for the 20 years like you know Mm. man you know what I mean I spent 20 years like not one single conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I think I can honestly say I went to the mosque one time um during that 20 years and it was for a funeral Mm literally, and it was, it was, it was for a funeral for someone that was at my job. And I prayed, you know, I prayed the two guys there, you know, I'm, you know, my fear was there, you know, I had, I had some fear of Allah, you know, I do get to my shit, you know, come correct, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kind of law, right. Um, But, you know, it's just that forgiveness piece, you got to work on that um, forgiveness of your um, self. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, Allah teaches us is just to have hope you know, just to have hope in His mercy. And one of the things that I did was getting reconnected to the Quran. Um, you know, I couldn't. So I'm going to share this story with you, um, and I hope that it encourages someone who may, who is thinking of possibly leaving Islam, or they're not quite sure what path they're on. Uh, all everything that I talk about, everything that I work on, you know, with the youth and you know, with other women is is a it's a cautionary tale. Not without my hijab, it's a cautionary tale. Like. You know, you know, the, the scene in uh, the color purple where she, uh, where Miss Sophie's like, don't trade places without I, what with I've with I been through, right? Yeah. yeah. Literally, um, I, it, all of Not Without My Hijab, everything that I do um, is that. And it's that, you know, just think about growing up, you know, Muslim. I, I was always Halima, I'm born Muslim, right? And, you know, living, you know, this life of, you know, uh, being, you know, taught, you know, the Quran and, you know, knowing the Hadith, knowing all of this stuff, right? Imagine, you know, taking a 20 year hiatus and then picking up a Quran and thinking that you could open up the Quran and read from its pages in Arabic. Not, I, I knew Alif. Alif is easy, right? Yeah. But just imagine the Fatiha and going to the Fatiha and thinking that I could open it up and be like, Alhamdulillah, I couldn't. Ali, that's all I had. Everything else, even the pages, I don't wear glasses. Uh, I've never worn glasses. Just imagine the pages, the words on the pages being blurry to a person that has 20-20 um, vision. There's nothing wrong with my vision at all, but opening up the Quran and not being able to read um, from the pages, someone who had memorized a good portion of the Quran, not being able to, not not only not read from the pages, but not even remember um, any of the surahs, not even the easy ones, right? Um, and so cautionary tale, you know, uh, you know, be careful with that. But that played a lot. So you talked about Shaitan. Shaitan played with me a lot with that um, in that, you know, I just thought that I was, you know, I, I went for 20 years, I did my thing and then I come back and I was just going to pick up where I left off and, you know, Allah was going to, you know, just make it easy um, for me. And when he didn't, um, that played a lot uh, with me. But um, I think I had been through so much uh, in that 20 years that there was this fear that um, kept me, um, you know, continuously seeking Allah, and the fear was that I didn't want to go back, uh, you know, to the 20 years. I didn't want to go back to what what that 20 years what what that 20 years did to me, um, mm. and where it was taking me. So that was the other thing too that brought me back to Islam. Is like, you know, you think you start off on the road and you think, oh, it's just removing hijab, right? The next thing you know, now you're not making your prayers, right? Or you're not making them on time, and you know, for me, it was like, I didn't even take a hijab with me. So when Salah came in, what, what, what was I doing? Right. How, how was I praying? Who, who was giving me a hijab? Who, who was doing that? Right. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even, you know, prepared. And then you move, you know, and you just keep moving and then this becomes okay. And then this becomes okay. And next thing you know, you look back and you're like, Dag, how did I, how did I get here? Um, And it was, you know, just a natural progression. And, you know, when I got to the point where I came back with, you know, was thinking of coming back to Islam, I was, I was gone. Like, like it was literally like I was, you know, uh, some a few steps away from completely destroying myself. Wow. Seriously, completely. And in hamdulillah, Allah, you know, caught me before I completely, uh, you know, destroyed myself. Um, alhamdulillah, right? Okay. And so um, you know, cautionary tale, you know, just making sure that you hold on to Islam because, you know, it Allah will take it away. Um, if you don't appreciate what He has given you, Allah will Allah will surely uh take it take you take it away. Um, you know, if you forget me, I will cause you to forget myself. That's exactly the the same Forget me and I will cause you to forget yourself. And that's where I was. I was at a state where like it was like, who is Halima? I talk about that in my book, Not Without My Hijab. So, just really working on on um, forgiving yourself and having hope that Allah has forgiven you, and making that sincere, uh, you know, repentance, and just saying, you know, Allah, I didn't know, you know, I, I didn't know the magnitude. And one of the things that I, you know, want to share again, cautionary tale, uh, you know, I have two children, you know, I have a I have a 13 year old and I have um, a 22 year old, right? But do you, so I just told you, right? That I wasn't practicing, yeah. right? Yeah. So where did those two kids come from, right? So mm-hmm. now I was married. So, you know, I was uh, you know, I knew to, to do the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. But we weren't living in a way that was connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now, you know, part of my uh, journey is, is now, my prayers are grant my children Hidayah. Mm-hmm. Imagine how that feels as a mother everything that you do as a mother is for the best for your children you make every single sacrifice i i ran a cleaning business for 10 years scrubbing toilets in the beginning my myself you know what i mean until i was able to get the business off the ground why because i wanted uh, something better for my children alhamdulillah i grew the business it it did well right none of that means anything to me None none of that money, the cars, the house, everything that at 16 years old, I was was like, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. Allah gave me every single thing that I thought I wanted at 16. Allah gave it to me. Allah gave it to me. I lived an extremely blessed life um, in the dunya, but totally and completely away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And now the very thing, the only thing that I want is my two children is guidance for my two children. I could, I could care less about anything else, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, just imagine every prayer, every du'a is Allah. Oh. Grant hidayah to my children, grant hidayah to my, please Allah, you know? And, you know, I remember speaking to this sister because it bothers, it it, it just, it, it eats away at you, right? You know, you look at your children and you you know the truth, right? We have the haq already, right? And for Allah to 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 turn, you know what I mean. To 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 be able to, to to you know turn their hearts. Allah is the turner of hearts. But as their mother, you you know I birth these I birth these beings into this you know into this world, right? And I want nothing but the best for them. And I know that Islam is the best thing, the best gift, uh, you know that I can give them. And the sister, you know, she said, "Halima, you know, you know, um, Allah will you know has forgiven you." Um, you know, for that 20 years, you know, be right? And then the second piece of it is, is that, you know, in everything that I'm doing, because I'm going hard in the paint and I'm going hard in the paint for what I'm telling you right now. I'm going hard in the paint so that my children are able to see that through faith, through Islam, this is what you will be able to achieve. Right. You will be able to have this life. You'll be able to have these things. You'll be able to have this success. But it will mean nothing. It will mean nothing without the that connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so I go hard in the paint. So you know, I'm I'm 40. I'll be 43 in uh what's today? In 20 days, I'll be 43, inshallah. Right. Inshallah. Right. And so, you know. I, I got more, I got less time than I had, you know, when they were, yeah, they were born, yeah, right?
3: Yeah. And so,
2: you know, in the time that I have left, you know, that I do something, inshallah, that will spark and and that will, you know, touch the, a place in their heart that, you know, they say, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad, the and So for me, you know, people look at me, oh, sis, you know, whatever, you don't, you, you never know. You know what, someone um, is going through. You never know what their story is. You never know why somebody's going hard. Right. You know, my, my going hard don't got nothing to do with you.
0: <laughs> you know, I'm, Say I'm, that on, again. I'm
2: on a whole different type of Say time. that again.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I hear you. I hear mm-hmm. you, sis. I feel you're trying to get the Jenna. Hey. And uh, sure. not SubhanAllah. So tell I just wanted to share a comment really quick. Sister Aisha Muhammad, she said, I love your honesty, sister. Some of us need to know we were not alone out here in Adunia, mm. just doing us. Alhamdulillah. I'm so glad that Allah led me back to the deen Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah.
2: Alhamdulillah. 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 Mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, uh, sister, may Allah, and if there's anyone else, you know, like us, right, or even a tinge of us, you know, may Allah bless us and increase us. May he grant us knowledge. May he grant us the courage and the conviction, uh, you know, to follow him, because it definitely takes courage. You know, it is actually easier. It was easier for me to take off my hijab than it was for me to to keep it on. I'm being honest. It, It was easier you know, for, and I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down or anything like that. I'm just telling you my truth. And my truth was, it was easier for me to, to, to take my hijab off than it was for me to keep it on and to fight. And, you know, one of the things that I, I robbed myself of the opportunity to be in that corporate space as a hijabi and maybe be the first um, and to be able to set the precedent. And and by that I don't I don't mean that in a grandiose way or anything like that. I mean it in a way where you're you're setting the example, and you know maybe you know some of the treatment even I had in corporate America. So you know I'm in cor- the corporate space without hijab, and you know I go through my own trials and tribulations because I'm a woman of color, right? Because I'm black, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But now I come back to so I left work on Friday, hijabless. I come to work on Monday, got a hijab on. And so okay. well, I not, now I had an additional layer. And then on top of it, I have the audacity to ask for a prayer room. <laughs> Excuse me? You know? So literally, they were like, what? Right? <laughs> Listen. <laughs> so, you know, just adding on, you know, those, you know, additional um layers. But imagine, you know, 20 years ago, 30 mm-hmm. years ago, um, yes. being in a space where I set the precedent, where maybe I could have, you know, enacted some rules and some regulations on, you know, having Excuse me. Having, um, you know, a place to pray um, in the workplace and how do you treat, uh, you know, uh, an employee that, you know, a, it is uh, adheres to a faith. Right. So even, you know, not necessarily just for Muslims, but, you know, for people of other faiths, Christians, Jews, they, they got to pray, too.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, you know,
2: being able to help with those um, you know, type of things.
0: SubhanAllah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I had another sister. She was mm-hmm. saying that she was in tears. Um, so with 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 that, with that, because um I, I was really touched as well because you're right, we um, and even on a night like this, you know, where everybody's sort of glued to the tube and seeing and on edge. And mm-hmm. a lot of us are, you know, a lot of a lot of folks are on edge and such mm-hmm. for elections and such. But mm-hmm. you know, subhanallah, we appreciate the reminders that this is all dust and dirt. At the end of the day at the end of the day we all going to stand right before our creator we're going to be held accountable for everything we say and do we're going to all hit that dirt the same we Mm -hmm. don't know what's coming for us underneath that that dirt um and it makes some of the anxiety that we're feeling about this dust and dirt right that's going to be that's good that's elusive that's going to leave us in a second Mm -hmm. Um, it it puts it in perspective. So, Sister Halima, thank you so much. Just on a personal tip, thank you for that reminder. Mm -hmm. Um, May Allah bless and and elevate you. Um, Mm -hmm. We are coming to the end of this podcast, but I did um, want us to spend some time to really just talk about the impact that you've had um, with Not Without My Hijab, Mm -hmm. um, with the play and the self-help book, in the workshops. Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit about that because it was interesting. I, I like engaged a few people prior in, in anticipation for this um, podcast and everybody was like, yeah, Not Without My Hijab was a movement, right? It was a movement, wow. right? Wow. So kind of, uh, like people are and why just recognize and acknowledge it. So let's just talk, like end us on that tip of just the impact of the work and what all did you do in regards to Not Without My Hijab?
2: So Not Without My Hijab, really a labor of love. Uh, Every dollar that I had in the last three years went into Not Without My Hijab. Every spare dollar went into that um, project. And, you know, getting it off the ground. One of the things, you know, I was saying earlier is the pushback from the community. You know, you go to a masjid and you think, hey, I'm talking about Not Without My Hijab. I'm talking about helping the youth. I'm talking about, you know, keeping them, you know, in the folds of Islam, a message that will, you know, give them some practical tips because the play is really about a real-life scenario um, and showing them, um, you know, how they can, when when they, you know, front face, uh, you know, a scenario that, you know, would, would have them veer off to the left, um, mm-hmm. how they can, uh, you know, use what they see on stage, how they can use that to help them in those real life um, scenarios. I'm presenting masjids with this, I'm presenting, you know, uh, you know, leaders in the community with this and to have them, you know, say, I don't think we need that, sis. You know, to say that, oh well, we don't. Do you think really, you know, uh, that women are really struggling? Uh, do you think the girls are really struggling in that way? And meanwhile, in my DM, it, it meanwhile back at the DM.
1: Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's like,
2: um, sis, I almost took my hijab off today. You know, um, I saw your live today, and you know, you're helping me, you know, keep it on. You know what I mean? And, you know, I was about to take it off because it's easier to just join them. It's easier to just become just like everybody else. You know, I get made fun of. I've been beat up. You know, all these, you know, I have my hijab pulled off several times. And I grew up in New York City where, like, every other corner there's a masjid, right? -hmm. You would think, you know, growing up in the 80s, 90s, pull off hijab. What are you talking about? But when someone doesn't know about something, they want to see. They want to see. Does she have hair under there? Does -hmm. she have when? So I punched the boy in the face. I'm just like, <laughs> You <know. laughs> You're from New York, sis? We understand. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry, y'all. but but that's what happened. And um, you know, when when I asked him, I was like, "Why would you mm. do that?" Yes, I do have hair under here. You could have just asked me, and I would have told you. You don't you don't get to see it. And you know, his response was, you know, I just wanted to see. I just I, ju- I just I just wanted wanted to see what was under there, just curious or whatever, right? And so you know, when when I got that pushback from the community, I said, okay. Well, the message that I'm getting every time I pray is you do what I told you to do. I need you to put, not without my hijab. I don't care. I don't care you know, what you got going on. And so that's what I did. You know, every single dollar I put into it. um, We put on the first uh, play um, in Philadelphia. So um, and we were very strategic about the places that we put the play. So uh, very densely populated Muslim communities. Those were the cities that we targeted. So we hit Philadelphia. uh, We hit New York City, my home um, town. Mm -hmm. And the Mm -hmm. other thing is, is that my goal was to change the narrative. So my goal was to positively change the Muslim narrative within our community and also outside. So what pe- most people don't know is 30% of our mo- audience was actually non-Muslim. A lot of college professors and teachers uh, came to uh, the play um, in the okay. different cities. We had actual universities uh, come uh, to see the play to see, you know, what was it about and to learn. And that, you know, and one of the other things that we do that's totally different um, from a regular play is we have what is called a um, audience talkback where you're able to, after the play is over for 30 minutes, you're able to ask questions um, of the cast, of myself, um, and also uh, the production company uh, that we uh, used. And the goal was to put it in actual theaters. So we didn't do some ranky dink uh, places. It was all actual theaters. If you are familiar with New York, Brooklyn Academy of Music is the Mm -hmm. theater right before you hit Broadway. We, okay. we rented out the Brooklyn Academy of Music, not cheap. Uh, the rental was almost five figures for the rental uh, for mm. the that theater. Um, and yeah. that was just the rental. That doesn't include paying the cast, that doesn't include their costumes, that doesn't include their travel, um, any of that. Um, a production yeah. is anywhere between 25 and $35,000, each production. Yeah. And so, you know, we count on ticket sales, we count on, you know, my money I put up front, uh, put, you know, put everything down but it was important to get that message out there. And it was important uh, from uh, changing the narrative, so uh, Mm -hmm. creating a positive narrative. And the thing is, is we can't wait for someone else uh, to change our narrative. We have to do it ourselves. The same way they painted a negative picture, we now have to create, we we're, we have to create the positive picture for ourselves. And that's what the, the play did. It also did exactly what I believe it was a parent that asked that question, is it also gave the parents, so there's a mother and a father in the play and, you know, the mother, it, the roles are reversed. So normally it's the father who's the one that's, you know, you know, put your hijab mm-hmm. on, sis, and that kind of thing. We actually reversed the roles. We made the mother um, the one who was like, you know, where's her hijab? You know, you got her out here like this. And then the father was the one that was a little bit more um, lenient. And we did that on purpose uh, so that, uh, you know, the, the mother and the father in the audience, yeah. they could see themselves. Mm-hmm. They could yeah. see what they look like when you're forcing your child to uh, do something or you're not listening. You know, You know, you're not listening to their voice because we have we have a responsibility to listen to them, too.
0: I have, yeah. a quick, I have a quick question only because yeah. of what you're saying. Yeah. Did And you're experiencing in your travels. Did you get a lot of fathers or husbands that wanted you to actually talk to the women in their family about hijab? Yes. He so that um, was every. How did I know that? How did list. I know that? I, I know that. Uh, DC was
2: probably the city that we were like, I, like oh. I'm not going to say what I wanted to say to the brother. But <laughs>
1: Tell the yeah. truth. Several seats. Seats. <laughs> Several seats.
2: Several seats. <laughs> Several seats. Sit down in this seat, get up, and go and sit. In Wait a minute. Seat. What happened? I wanted him to, like, sir, sit down.
0: So what, was uh,
2: I'm so sorry. what happened what? is, is okay. at the end, uh, the very last uh, scene, uh, so the uh, main character, her name is Anissa. She spends uh, the entire play not covered. She spends the entire play like, you know, going through all different types of changes, right? And then of course, you know, we have to make it, you know, uh, you know a positive ending. So at the end, her last line was not without my hijab, right? Okay. And so of course she can imagine she has her hijab on, but right. she's not covered the entire time, right? So. Let's just really think about it. She's, you know, walking around, you know, with just a regular, you know, t shirt and jeans, right? Sixteen years old, right? She's, you know, trying to be like in, in crowd. So did you think we were gonna put an bio on her at the end? That's not realistic. So and, what did he say, sis? <laughs> Sorry, right, no, go ahead.
3: She
2: she's not first of all, the time that it's gonna take for her to even get there. She's, mm-hmm. She'll probably be an adult. She'll probably be 25 before she gets it. Mm-hmm. At 36, year 36 years old is the, the age where a woman starts to get serious about her religion. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. 36 years old is woman, when a woman starts to get serious about her faith. Street, really serious about her faith. So mm-hmm. at 16, she went from not wearing her hijab the whole time to oh. at the end. Let me put this abaya on.
3: <laughs> let's go
2: no so you know like you know we really made it real we, we made it real
0: like mm-hmm. she, she wasn't going to put in a bio on well did, is know, that what the brother was asking I'm the sorry the brother
2: was like you know well why, why does she have no clothes on so if she's saying not without her hijab why does at the end you know she, she, she puts on like a denim uh, like shirt you know over her t-shirt and then her hijab mm-hmm. with some jeans on because that's real life. <laughs> right?
0: Okay. <laughs> thank you for that story, sis. That was- I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. MashaAllah. But um, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Varen, <laughs> did you have any final thoughts, sis?
1: No, just thank you. Like, wow. I, I don't have daughters, but I do have students. So it's like, just opened my mind to a lot of things. And, you know, alhamdulillah, I really appreciate you because, you know, we all have our different journeys. We may have all had that point in time where we were, were like, Done. So yeah. it's really I appreciate your story and giving us, you know, all these tips and tools. Inshallah, you can bring your um, bring the play here so we can see it. Inshallah, inshallah, you guys are we are at Atlanta,
3: Atlanta. would love to.
0: Oh yeah, yes. we would totally. We would be packed up in there once yes. COVID is over. Once COVID is over, <laughs> right. inshallah. Inshallah. inshallah, inshallah, we'll be back. Yes, well, I wanted to just again thank you, Sister Halima. This was a phenomenal um, podcast. I wanted to share something from Sister Asma. She said, This honesty and rawness is appreciated. What an amazing group of women. Jazakallah Kaidan, Sister Asma, thank you for sharing that. Um, the audience um, absolutely loved it, and I truly appreciate um, you sharing. I'm a mother of three girls, and I have I struggle every day. I have a teenage daughter myself who struggles mm-hmm. with hijab, mm-hmm. and I navigate that um, as I mother her and wonder if I'm doing the right thing and, mm-hmm. and trying to build the relationship with the law first before I go like, oh, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's such a struggle. So may Allah. Mm-hmm help us. I mean, I mean, I mean. And like you said, Grant, our children, Hudaya amin. Jazakallah um, <laughs> Khair and sister. Thank well, you, so yakum, amin. Jazakallah Khair for um having
2: me. I appreciate you. Um and may uh, the series uh, be successful. I mean, I mean, I mean.
0: And thank you so much, Dope Muscle One podcast family for your engagement tonight. We truly appreciate you. Please continue to share the podcast. We know how beneficial this will be, especially share it with our young girls. It will be really helpful to them. Um, again, support the podcast. I tagged here, my sister, she does a great job with tagging. You could purchase something very simple, small. It all goes to contribute back to the podcast on the dope Muslim woman podcast, Teesprings account page, just Zachary so next week. You guys, we come back. It's a very intimate episode. I will be joined with my co-mom. Um, she is the woman that is the wife of my ex-husband. We share, um, uh, we share, we co-parent together and we are coming together to talk about our relationship, co-parenting, and a lot of times what goes wrong and how to make it right again. So that's how we're ending forgiveness and redemption by talking with my co-mom about the journey of co-parenting with another woman and just being honest about our insecurities and just keeping it 100, a hundred, mm-hmm. a whole buck. So mm-hmm. next week at 8 p.m., inshallah, jazakallah, Khayran, assalamu alaikum rahmatullah
2: Grazie. <sussurra>